where a solution is needed is what we are looking to provide. How can we make it easier, simpler for crypto holders to use it in the real world? Welcome to this week's CoinGeek Conversation. Today, we're finding out about how cryptocurrency was used to build a large retail business in New York. Elizabeth White's background is in luxury brands. Two years ago, she founded The White Company, which has made its name selling Lamborghinis to customers who pay in Bitcoin. Now she's moving into the payments business. I'm Charles Miller, and this is my chat with Elizabeth White and her colleague, Edgar Radjabli, recorded at the CoinGeek conference in London, where they just unveiled a new product. Our big announcement we just made was another product that we are putting out to market that will um, realize real-world usage of cryptocurrency. Uh, We put out the white card. It's a reloadable debit card that you can use anywhere. Uh, MasterCard is accepted. And so, Edgar, what, what does this represent? What can you do now with crypto that you weren't able to do before this? So it's definitely the next evolution of the usability of cryptocurrency. Uh, for a long time, you know, everybody was hoping that Starbucks will accept Bitcoin. And, and we know that that's not happening anytime soon. So we need to really bridge uh, from point A to point B from what we have today to the eventual use of cryptocurrency in a ubiquitous manner. Uh, by being able to load a debit card that's accepted worldwide with cryptocurrency, it ha- actually provides that bridge and allows people to be able to go and effectively buy their cup of Starbucks or uh, Pete's coffee um, with their cryptocurrency. Since we're in London, we'll say Costa. Costa, yeah. I keep forgetting that it's uh, Costa here, yeah. So, Elizabeth, just explain to me so I completely understand. As a user, if I've got my white card and it's got money on it, does that mean that anywhere that accepts MasterCard will accept crypto now? Technically, yes, via the white card. The merchants will not accept the crypto directly, but anyone can ex- who accepts Visa, MasterCard, Amex will be able to use the white card and effectively be accepting cryptocurrency because they will be settling through the like normal routes of MasterCard, Visa, or American Express settlements. It's leveraging an already extensive network that MasterCard has. Um, and yes, I mean, I would say that effectively they will be accepting cryptocurrency uh, although they will be paid in, in, in fiat. But yes, it's definitely allowing cryptocurrency to be used everywhere. But again, from a merchant point of view, they, at this point, the majority of merchants have no interest in receiving Bitcoin and holding it, that the volatility is not acceptable to them. And again, that's not changing anytime soon. So this is a way uh, that we have built that two-sided network with the debit card and also the merchant processing so that uh, merchants can evolve into accepting cryptocurrency either through the debit card or directly and either keeping it or converting into fiat. But from my point of view as a customer, if I put uh, crypto onto my white card, then I'm not going to go to a merchant and they're going to say, oh, this is no good, it's crypto, because as far as they're concerned, it's just ordinary currency. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, well, okay, so from, from the customer point of view, it makes crypto usable everywhere kind of thing. Correct. That has been our goal from day one is to find these solutions that make crypto useful for everybody. Exactly. So we look at what benefits the client or the consumer, what benefits the merchant, what benefits 
the solution provider um, or even projects that are also built on blockchain or that have nothing to do with blockchain at all. So do you see people using this by transferring, I don't know, £1,000 or something onto their card so that it's ready to be used in a period of weeks or whatever? Or do you see them making a kind of instant transfer because they're worried about the volatility of crypto? Well, if they're just worried about instant like transfer for volatility, they do not need to go to the card. We have the solution provided um, through the white wallet system. That's actually how you'll be loading your white card. So the white wallet solution will hold your crypto. And when you're ready to put it onto the debit card, the funds will be transferred. But until then, you can just move into one of our stable coins in the wallet itself and hedge against the volatility. So a, a typical situation is, uh, you know, Bitcoin's at 4,200 right now. So let's imagine it goes up to, you know, back up to 8,000. And all of a sudden, uh, you'll have people that say, well, you know, that's great. I, I got a nice little run back up. I've, uh, I've made some money and I'd like to actually use it. So they will go ahead and transfer that Bitcoin into the card. By doing that, they will be loading it with the value in pounds of what that Bitcoin is at that time. Uh, once they've loaded it up, then they can spend it now or they can spend it later. And the value on the card will not change. It won't go up or down because they've already committed to loading it with the pounds. Um, now, for example, if Bitcoin, we know there's quite a bit of volatility. So let's say from the 8,000 pounds, it goes back down to 4,000. Then someone who had previously loaded it might say, well, you know what? I want to go back into Bitcoin because I think it's gone down and I want to buy it again. So they may unload the card, transfer it back into their account, and then go ahead and buy the Bitcoin at 4000 So it sort of acts as a potential kind of dealing mechanism as well. Then. It, it does, absolutely. It's not really meant for that because we have a built-in dealing mechanism already in place in White Wallet. So if somebody is uh, simply interested in, in dealing or trading, they don't have to use the debit card but it provides an extra layer of flexibility for the consumer because they may have some purchases coming up, so they may say, you know what, let me load the card right now, but then they're also allowed to change their mind and say, you know what, I'd like to go back and reinvest into Bitcoin. How does your white card relate to the different currencies? So um, we're launching first in a USD card, and then in Q1 of next year, we will be launching in a GBP and Euro-based card. So um, the cards will be able to be used around the world, but whatever currency is loaded onto it will be the active currency that will then exchange into the currency of wherever you're actually traveling and to. And specifically in terms of cryptocurrencies, uh, now that there has kind of this clear distinction between Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin SV, uh, we will be implementing Bitcoin SV as a method that you could load the card with. So. Uh, at this point, as far as we know, we're, we'll be the first and only debit card that you could actually load with Bitcoin SV, which would be obviously beneficial for all the holders of, uh, of SV out there. But it's up to the user to decide which of the currencies they want, which of the cryptos they want. Uh, up to the crypt- yes, for the cryptocurrency that they load, it's up to them. But obviously, if they are a UK resident, they will get a GBP card. If they're a US resident, they will get a USD card and so on. Great. Let's just step back a bit and and talk a bit more about the evolution of uh, crypto in the economy generally. I mean, Elizabeth, how do you see where we are now compared to 
well, where we were and, and how far along the path to general adoption are we, would you say? I would say it's much more than it was three or four years ago, but there's still speculation out there. We still have to deal with unknown regulatory and circumstances that may be changing constantly depending on who's actually making the laws or the legal system around it. Also, with international governments all choosing to say what Bitcoin is, um, if it's a security, a commodity, a utility. So that's ever-changing. And I think that once there is a level playing field of understanding what actually cryptocurrency is, then we will get more mass adoption. Actually, we find the most mass adoption happening with blockchain technology, not just cryptocurrency, because I think people like and understand what is happening with blockchain um, to be a transfer of wealth, a transfer of information, a public ledger. And it doesn't have to do with the currency itself. It is the underlying power of what blockchain is. I mean, just for those who haven't caught up on the white company, can you just um, sketch in for me the way in which you've created such a substantial business already in selling things? And um, a lot of people in the crypto world are busy with all sorts of interesting theories and writing software and stuff, but you've been out in the marketplace and uh, there are some big numbers attached to that. Right. So um, we were all at the base core of my team at the White Company, we're all holders of cryptocurrency and we all amassed a great wealth and we had no idea how to spend it, how to use it, where it would be accepted, if it's going away tomorrow. So like, let's say you're you're at $150,000 US from your investment. The only thing we could actually spend it on were these things called CryptoKitties. Who wants a crypto kitty for $150,000 when you can get a car for that much? What's a crypto kitty? <laughs> it's a digital cat built on the Ethereum blockchain that you can breed. That sounds good. Um, it's also but, the reason why nobody's building payment solutions on Ethereum because when the next crypto kitty comes, all of your payments will be frozen because it was so popular that it actually basically stalled the Ethereum network around the time of its launch. So it's kind of a really fun example of where uh, people spend money in cryptocurrency in, in sort of crazy ways, but it also has real-world applications. When we talk about things like why we need larger block sizes and, and what SV is doing, um, that's sort of the evolution you know, that, that we've seen from this sort of very narrow scope of what you can use cryptocurrency for. And now with everything that we've done in the White Company, uh, allowing people to use it for luxury good purchases, uh, allow it allow it to be used now in kind of worldwide uh, through the credit card networks, and uh, that's a, a, a determined and necessary step by step process. Well, actually, I, I kind of interrupted you <laughs> when you okay. were explaining the, about the crypto kitties. So, um, with my background in Formula One and working with car manufacturers and being in the luxury industry. We have um, connections with art galleries. We have connections with auction houses, car manufacturers, um, gold distributors. And today, um, we have converted over $225 million U.S. million to real-world goods. We've sold 51 cars. 
Um, one of those being a $4 million vintage Ferrari. Um, that's what I think you're alluding to with the big numbers. We've sold an Ai Weiwei art piece that was $1.7 million, but it's the, the best part of it is just being able to allow someone to purchase what they really want with their wealth. It doesn't matter that this kid is 16 and he, all he wants to do is have a Nissan GTR. He can't afford it in the real world, but he can afford it through cryptocurrency, through his uh, mining and online gaming. So we've been able to help 16-year-olds get into Nissan GTRs that would never have been able to ever before. It's kind of cool. With other luxury brands, a typical strategy is you start at the top of the market and then you go using the, you leverage the, the, the power of the brand to go to a mass market. Why have you not gone down that route? Um, I actually think that we kind of have done that in a way because the sexy part of the business is that we can get you limited edition watches or exclusive VIP tickets, but... But you're not heading towards being the Amazon of the crypto world. Right, and there's a very good reason that we're not is because we provide the payment services for the Amazons of the crypto world. And that's, again, intentional. I mean, we don't really need to be selling uh, everyday items. That's not the goal. But we facilitate that. And so we work with companies that provide marketplaces and they want to accept cryptocurrency. And we do that. So we, we've leveraged the technology to go down market without actually diluting the brand itself. So, so you're really a payment business rather than a retailer then? Correct. And um, if the white card takes off, as you hope it will, where will that leave you? Well, I'm hoping it will leave us with the ability to offer clients and merchants in Asia and South America and other parts of the world with the ability to use a white card as well. Um, In the grand scheme of things, cryptocurrency still has that really huge advantage of being decentralized fast and very, very inexpensive compared to traditional payment methods. So we see the two as complementary because the debit card can work very, very well and allow people to connect to all the existing merchants. But at the same time, we feel very strongly that merchants will have huge advantages to actually switch to accepting cryptocurrency. And there's probably going to be a time where it's going to be a hybrid system, which we're already seeing. Some merchants uh, take both cryptocurrency and traditional credit card methods. And over time, and you know, we're not here to predict the next 10 years, because again, we focus on what we can do today. But over time, we do think that there's going to be some pretty stiff competition to the large credit card networks from cryptocurrency-based payment systems. Also, with our white pay system, it is a white label solution for any merchant or project that's out there. Our fees are 1% compared to um, working with some of the other um, merchant processing partners like a MasterCard or Visa or American Express that charge anywhere from 3 to 7% or high-risk merchants have 11%. So actually accepting cryptocurrency delivers a larger bottom or a larger top-line revenue for any merchant that's actually accepting cryptocurrency. Do you see crypto as working with existing institutions or does it have to build its own sort of separate universe in parallel with the kind of establishment as we know it now? That's a great question. There are different schools of thought on this because there's different steps to that evolution, right? 
we have understood over the last few years that cryptocurrency cannot operate in a vacuum. Uh, that was the goal for some purists, right? And uh, over time, we figured we have to work within existing regulatory schemes and existing flow of funds type situations. Uh, I don't think that cryptocurrency will ever exist in a vacuum, and that probably sounds disappointing to many purists that, that may not agree with that, but uh, the real world is very interconnected today. And trying to build a completely parallel financial system uh, is probably not going to work. So what we have seen in our experience is that the companies and the products that are successful are the ones that are bridging gaps across cryptocurrency, traditional finance, while respecting both the, the privacy and the decentralization that's critical to cryptocurrency, but also the regulatory requirements that are necessary to operate a business in this world. Elizabeth, obviously your use of crypto is very much in the financial area. How interested are you in the other applications of blockchain? Do you see anything for you and your business in data or many of the other applications mm -hmm. that we've heard about? So with using stable coins, um, either through the conversion of cryptocurrency into a stable coin or directly from fiat to a stable coin, you can digitize money and move cash very quickly between uh, escrow services. So um, we actually have a patent pending um, to use digital money in uh, an escrow service signage. Like so, if you look at companies like HelloSign or DocuSign or any of those companies, if there's any transfer of funds that needs to happen, it can actually happen on the blockchain. That's a smart contract thing, then. right? Correct. And, and so, what it has to do with is uh, other applications of blockchain technology invariably deal with payments in some way, but they have some interesting applications and in reference to um, the, the smart contract, governments will likely start to embrace digitization, not necessarily blockchain, but at least the, the digital application of transfer of property deeds or things like that. And that is where there's some really great opportunities. I mean, to give you an example, traditional property closing in the U.S. is you go there and you sit there for a day signing a bunch of documents and you know then you run out and send a wire from your bank and then you bring in the cashier's check and you make it out to this person, that person, and everybody signs a bunch of documents and then at the end of it all you're exhausted and you go home and then the process continues because it goes to a record clerk at the county who charges in you know, a crazy amount of money to put a bunch of stamps on there and file it in uh, a paper filer that then gets recorded as a deed. That has an opportunity to be completely revolutionized for the benefit of everyone with blockchain and being able to effect a closing on, for example, this property deed in as little as 30 minutes where you have the transfer of funds using the financial system that we're working with um, as well as the transfer of the property deed using a secure auditable system to transfer the deed in a simple way. Um, I think the other thing that's really exciting for us, being in the financial space, although it's not directly financial, is portable identity. And I think that's a really key frustration for everyone that deals in uh, financial matters is, why do I open an account at HSBC and give them my passport and all this stuff? And then I, have, and I go to Barclays and I have to do it all over again. It's the same information. If you've been a customer at Barclays and you have all this information, why do you need to re-authenticate yourself when you sign up as a customer for the white wallet? 
that doesn't make sense. Uh, portable identity, which has to be trusted by both the centralized authorities, but also in a decentralized way, that has a real opportunity for blockchain to make an impact. And we are actively pursuing um, industry coalitions and ways to really get that to the forefront in front of regulators so that they actually push this forward. Because if we can make this happen, it's going to make all of our lives so much simpler. Let me just finally ask you, Elizabeth, your business has already undergone quite a transformation from where it started into different right. areas. Is that going to continue? And, and is there a sort of master plan direction that it's all heading in? Master plan would be that anywhere a solution is needed is what we are looking to provide. How can we make it easier, simpler for crypto holders to use it in the real world? How can we make it easier for merchants to accept it? How can we make other projects on blockchain or that are using cryptocurrency um, be able to leverage what we've already developed, use our technology, actually move forward with something that is trusted, reliable, true, instead of burning all their funds at the beginning to try to build technology we've already built. So we're very happy to white label and provide solutions to everyone across the board because there's no reason for us to hold it to ourselves. We actually want adoption of what we've built. We've spent a lot of time. We've followed a lot of compliance, done a lot of diligence, regulations. That's something that projects don't need. You're a startup, an entrepreneur. You want to really just get to market as fast as possible. So that's what we would like them to do. Thank you so much. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you, Edgar. Thank Thanks you. for Thank your you. time. Good being here. My thanks to Elizabeth White and Edgar Rajabli of The White Company. Next week, I'm talking to another entrepreneur from the world of commerce, but a long way from the sale of Lamborghinis. Stefan Nilsson is the founder and CEO of a company called Unisot, which stands for Universal Source of Truth. I'll let Stefan explain that, but here's a clue. It involves supply chains and facial recognition for fish. Thanks for listening, and see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.